0: Hello and welcome back to The Game Pit, I'm Sean, this is episode 109 and here's Ronan.
1: Hello everyone, you're very welcome to The Game Pit, back after a hiatus, although I think you're going to hear that in the next episode as well, because we're recording this after we recorded episode 100, but this one's going to go out first, it's got to be before the UK Games Expo, so this is the first of the two welcome backs, even though it's the second one that we recorded, Sean.
0: that That made wonderful sense in your head.
1: It didn't even make sense there. But we're back. Hey, everyone. We're going to tell you next episode what's been going on, why we've been away. But for this one, we're just going to crack on. Sean, we're doing a treasure hunt. We are,
0: and the Expo is literally round the corner as we speak. So that's what we're trying to rush around the corner from you,
1: because you around live the
0: corner, up there. Hey, it is <laughs> the corner, yes. And chosen six games each that have caught our eye, whether they be demoed or for sale at the show. It's uh, very exciting, Ronan.
1: It is very exciting. and We have some other business quickly to discuss. We have got a giveaway in this episode. Now, I know that we've got a giveaway of Brazilian Coup, which we haven't announced the winner of yet, because we're going to announce that in episode 110, which is going to be two episodes from here. We're this whole episode best. thing is getting more and more confusing, <laughs> but someone's won a copy of Brazilian Coup, which is flying out to you. We're going to let you know during the week, and we'll announce it <laughs> two episodes' time. But, for this episode, coming up to the UK Games Expo, Games Workshop, one of the cornerstones of UK gaming, and we are giving away a copy of Necromonda, their big box base set. Now, the only thing that's been done to this, because I was so curious, I took the shrink off. I looked inside, but I haven't touched it. None of the sprues have been touched. It's all gone back in there. It's a full copy of it. It won't be shrink-wrapped, but maybe I'll kiss the package when I send it off to you. Is, is, that, is that a bonus or not, sure?
0: Oh my god, are you trying to lose every last viewer, viewer, every last listener that we have? We do
1: have, have viewers, by the way. Viewers isn't
0: that bad. True, actually, I keep forgetting about the pit stops. <laughs> but yeah, don't do that, Ronan. No nobody needs that
1: okay during the halftime break we'll tell you how to enter into this competition you don't really have to do much i'll give you a clue it's a bit like our entry into our coup one i'm going to make you say that i am pit crew on one of our videos so there you go but which video find out in the halftime break after we've done the first of our six previews sean you need to give the usual treasure hunt provisos and please don't beat us up publishers (laughs)
0: before i do that Ronan, i just want to let everyone know that we are on the dice tower booth at the show we're going to be there on friday saturday and sunday on sunday it's just myself and we're going to be there from one o'clock to two o'clock every day so please come along and say hi if you're around that area and as for the treasure hunt provisos these are games that we have never played actually there is one that ronan actually has played so it'll be interesting These are games that, in general, we have never, ever played. Much
1: in keeping with the rest of this intro. There's, like, exceptions to everything we're saying. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) We've never played these. Oh, we've played one. Actually, we've played
0: (laughs) They are games that we've looked at from afar. We've looked at the rule books, maybe the videos, maybe just a bit of blurb. If there's no rule book available, we know nothing more about these games than what we've read online or seen online. So... It is our best guess and sometimes it's just a feeling and we're just trying to grok what this game's about. So if we do say it's it's not a treasure, then please don't don't take our word for it. As we said, we've never played it.
1: Jolly good indeed. And one more bit of UK Games Expo. Business, White Wizard Games, the publishers of Star Realms and Hero Realms. They were very lovely and provides us with a review copy of Hero Realms and the Rune of Thrandar, which we've done video off and we're going to be discussing later on in other episodes. But In order to uh, thank them for that, they have got a competition going on at UK Games Expo for both Star Realms and Hero Realms. They apparently decided quite late to do this. They're not expecting too many entrants. And if you do win, you get to become a card in the game that you win the competition off. So they're saying even if you haven't played much, you haven't played at all, do come along, do sign up for the competition. It's just a quick game. Give it a go and you might be immortalized in cardboard form.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think every gamer would would love that. I mean I've done a few Kickstarters rolling where just, just my signatures ended up on a card and I treasure those games, even if they're not that great.
1: I, no comment anyway
0: sure let's crack on okay as always we are very proud members of the dice tower network go there and to the dice tower itself for gaming goodness galore to download the episodes go to itunes stitcher and podbean itself and of course we do have our youtube channel where we do our pit stop videos and some convention coverage so head there for that
1: so the first game we're going to preview here in this treasure hunt is raids it's published by yellow so we'll know it's going to look good and it's going to have great components the designers are matthew Dunstan and brett gilbert they've done elysium and professor evil and is time together they've also done relic runners divinari pyramid one or other of them so there is some pedigree to raids It is a Viking-themed game in which players are going to be saving their ships around a fixed circuit. And at each stop on the circuit, there is going to be a tile available there. And if it gets to your next turn and you have not been attacked, you'll get to take that tile and add it to the tableau in front of you. The sort of thing you're grabbing are goods, which are going to go in the hold of your ship, which you're going to be able to sell later for points. But they'll take up room, which is otherwise taken up by Vikings. Now, why you're going to need Vikings is because... The way the players move is like a Takedo thing, whereby the hindmost moves, and they can move to either an empty space or a space with another player there. If you move to a space with another player there, you have to pay one Viking, or offer it up as a bid. If that player wishes to defend their space, they must pay two Vikings, and if you wish to carry on attacking them, you pay three and four, until you get to the point where one player has paid their Vikings, and they get to remain in the space, and the other one must move on. So that's why you're going to use Vikings, and that's the interaction on spaces. In terms of tiles, other things you're going to need is like runes you can collect that will give you points for set collection. Monsters you can defeat, again, bidding with Vikings. You can collect axes to help you with monsters. There's extra Vikings to pick up. As you go round, there's Vikings to pick up just for going around the board anyway. You can add sails to your boat, and that gives you extra Viking income each round. you can be playing it over four rounds, combating over spaces deciding where to go deciding whether it's worth the risk for a fight or not for forbidden these vikings and at the end you're going to add up your vps now each round there's also a different scoring mechanism it might be for having the most sails or the most axes or the most runes wherever it might be and as i said that varies from round to round sean is in the yellow game therefore it's no surprise that this one looks pretty
0: yes Roland. it does look very good i love the box art in particular i think some of the things that stood out to me is the the randomized board uh you're going to randomize the tiles on the board and it's going to sort of add to the playability long term and also Ronan, maybe not the not the perfect game for me because it does seem very combative and very in
1: your face in my face or in your face in your face okay specifically mine okay (laughs) Uh, Yes, the confrontation's there. I was actually thinking the other way. Is it encouraged enough? Until you play it, I guess, and I I suppose that what's going to drive that is what the particular scoring is on a round, but why would I risk my Vikings battling you when there's always spare spaces? So it's going to be very group dependent, I think, how much confrontation there is, Sean.
0: Uh, Yes, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose there is enough areas on the board, or it seems to be any way to work your way around. It seems a very tactical game where you've got to really plan ahead and keep your eyes on others.
1: Yeah, I think it reminds me a bit of Atlantis as a gateway game, whereby you can plan ahead a little. But you're very much affected by where other players go. And there might just be an opportunity to nip in and grab something. Uh, And again, maybe in that Francis Drake, although obviously Francis Drake is a lot heavier, the idea of uh, ideally I'd like to go there, but what am I moving past and giving up and allowing the other players just to hoover up by doing so? A few decisions to make. I mean, it's supposed to play in only 40 minutes, 10 minutes around. So I don't want to overemphasize how strategic or tactical this may be. Just a light brain tickler, Sean. So any thoughts on whether this is going to be a treasure or a trap?
0: Oh, it's, it's a tough one for me because I do think it's going to be very combative. I think it's going to be a little bit too in your face for me. But I'm I'm right on the fence with this one. But I'm, I'm going to go trap. Slight trap.
1: Oh, shocking. I'm going treasure. I'm yeah, going treasure i go treasure as a gateway game. And I think that it's not forced confrontation. So I'm not feeling your worries along that. Not that I would share them anyway. But for you... I'm not sure it's as confrontational as you expect it to be, but the proof of the pudding shall be in the eating.
0: As you like to say. <laughs> okay, so my first offering on the pudding
1: table is... Century- it's gone very quickly, presumably.
0: <laughs> uh, the Century Eastern Wonders. And this is the second in the Century Games from Plan B Games and designed by Emerson Matsuchi. Uh, it is a very similar system to... Uh, century spice road in where you had a bunch of cards where you would take the cards into your hand and use those cards to manipulate the resources get resources change them into other things on this one is a modular board and each of the modules on the board is represents an island and each island either offers a specific way to trade those resources as as the cards did in spice road or for just straight up point scoring you move your ship around the island on a turn and you can also place trading posts from your player board onto the island and this is how you interact with the islands and and trade those goods you score points at the ports and you can just simply get harvest yellow cubes into your tableau the player boards as i said house these trading posts and each row represents an island type and each column if you empty it, you get an upgrade tile. So very very similar system. There's also a way to combine Spice Road and Eastern Wonders, and that's called Sand to Sea. And you still use the modeller board. You use the market cards from Spice Road, and it's essentially the same rules as Spice Road, but you can also play cards face down to move the boat on the modular board and do those Eastern Wonders actions. Right then, we had our arguments about Spice Road, and I'm thinking that this isn't enough
1: of a change for you. Is it the second game in this system? Is it really? (laughs) Or is it the first game in this system with a spatial aspect?
0: Yeah. I'm on board with you. I'm actually on board with you, because there's really not enough different about this game to say, you know what, this is a completely unique game.
1: I was expecting more, genuinely, yeah. and I am I was hoping, and I am genuinely disappointed. Yeah, so many people like Century's Spice Road. Okay, they're wrong, but there's so many of them <laughs> that I thought, okay... And this was supposed to be the development of the system, and you can combine the two and and slowly build. And I thought, maybe they're going to do something clever here with the second one that adds to the first one, which makes that into a decent game. And it's it's just churn cubes. Move your ship, grab cubes. Move your ship, swap cubes. Move your ship, churn cubes. Go back to the port, hand them in, get points. Move your ship, churn cubes... There's nothing different here. In fact, there's less of an engine. At least before you had your own hand of cars and you went, well, I've constructed this engine. or well, it hasn't taken me long, but at least I know what I've got in my hand. There we play them. Play that. Play this. Play that. This is now just dink, 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 sell. Dink, 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 sell.
0: Mm. If anything, it's made it harder to actually run that engine, as you said, because you're looking around this board trying to find out where your trading posts are and you could quite easily miss a few <laughs> on the board. So, yeah, I'm I'm a bit disappointed as well, Ronan. I thought there'd be a lot more. It feels like it's almost like a teaching mechanism to get you to some really deep and convoluted game, like five down the road. It feels like they're just drip-feeding a mechanism in.
1: I'm just shaking my head just shaking my head. I always talk about input-output to games. In the first game, I didn't think there was enough input to the output. In this game, they're asking for more input and exactly the same output. I completely put off. This is an easy trap, Sean.
0: This was an insta-buy for me before I started looking into it, Ronan. Uh, I'd like to play it just to see how well that spatial aspect works, but at the moment, it is a trap.
1: That is a double trap beginning for you. <laughs> You're a hard, hard man. I'm okay. Hard man. The third game we're looking at is Lifeform from Hall or Nothing Games, who have brought us Gloom of Killforth, 1066 Tears to Many Mothers on its way. Designed by Mark Chaplin, who designed Revolver and Invaders, two of my favourite games, and The Thing, and Toby Forranz, who did the Invaders expansion, but this is his first full game. It's a one versus many game in which the many are the crew stuck on a starship and the one is the hostile lifeform on that starship with them. And the crew are attempting to load up a shuttlecraft with supplies and get away before the lifeform can either capture them or get itself on board that shuttlecraft. It's going to finish either when the self-destruct countdown finishes on the starship or the crew get all the things they need to do and all get on board and... However, if the life form to stash away on the shuttlecraft, there'll then be maybe a final ultimate showdown with playing of cards from hands in a kind of uh, Fury of Dracula style, whereby the creature will have. Symbols on its card, and the crew have to have symbols to match them, otherwise, they're going to get whittled away one by one. There are other things for the crew to consider as they're going around the place. There's different hazards. There's an android that activates, and it's gone a bit crazy, and it's going to make its way along a path to the shuttle, and then it will make you remove these mission tokens, which is that's the game mechanism which counts whether you've got enough stuff on the shuttle to survive once it. Launches uh, the life form. You're never exactly sure where it is. There's a problem with your sort of your scanning system. It is definitely in one spot, but only life form knows where it is. And you might have one or two shadow blips, depending on where you are in the game. If you ever you get a crew member in a room with the li- actual life form, that crew member automatically dies. Each player starts with two crew members. If ever you run out of all your crew members, you get to take over as either the ship's cat or the mainframe, the AI of the ship, so you're not completely out of the game, but you're less useful to your fellow players. Sean, Lifeform, it's been on Kickstarter. It's been successful. It has got pedigree of Hall of Nothing and Mark Chaplin. What are your initial thoughts on this?
0: Well, it's another one in in this sort of slew of alien-style games that seems to be coming out. But yeah, definite pedigree. Hall of Nothing make very, very beautiful games. The Gloom of Killforth, he had individual art on every card, I think. It was it was a massive, massive painstaking process, he explained to us. And I see very similar love going into this project as well. Very creepy, evocative art on there, Ronan.
1: Yeah, I, overall I wasn't taken by the look, I have to say. And I couldn't really tell you why, because individually the bits of art are quite nice, but it didn't I think maybe the the ship was a bit confusing you know i like quite clear lines and be able to see exactly yeah everything
0: it is. kind of looked like a conventional <laughs>
1: map yeah didn't it? It, did. it did look like that what? okay yeah nice i like that but you, you said the theme has been used and it has been recently i do love that theme though I, I do really like the idea that as the crew you're not all marines you haven't got guns you're trying to hide but then the alien can't exactly reveal itself fully either and there's a bit of cat and mouse and a bit of tension and that's what i'm really looking for yeah. there are some thematic stretches and I find that in a lot of these games where you're trying to make this cat and mouse, it feels to me like a lot of playtesting, they find something mechanical that's not working and then they have to stretch the rules somehow to make that work. And I could feel a little bit of that pulling and that malleability of theme within there.
0: Yeah, I think some, sometimes you do have to stretch it, but it's it's one of those. Ronan, do they do they just go ahead with a weaker mechanism, or do they you you are the mechanism man? So I would have thought you would appreciate that they've gone to some trouble to to get around that
1: to some degree. But with this sort of a game, I want to be in the story, and, and I don't want to be pulled out now we'll get into really what my problem is with. And this is one of the problems in doing this treasure hunt format is that what have we got to go on? For me, I know you prefer to watch videos. I like to read the rule books. The rule book is is a bit of a disaster from my point of view. It's 52 pages long. Yeah. This does not strike me as a game that's heavy enough to require a 52-page rule book. It's also really not well structured. It does with some of those red flags for me on rule books whereby as soon as you start reading it, it's telling you about specifics and exceptions and edge cases before you've got to what you actually do in the game and how a round works and how actions work and what the overall story is they're giving you the small picture before you get the big picture there's a lot of exceptions as early as page five six and seven they're telling you to refer to page 42 48 36 if you're having to refer someone 40 pages onwards in a rule book the structure is wrong the rule book's not great Sean
0: no I didn't read it as closely as you did because I wasn't presenting the game but it certainly didn't have a flow to it it was bitty and I just I didn't enjoy reading the rule book I usually when I'm when I start to grok how a game's working and it all starts to come together this one it really didn't for me so yeah I'm, I'm on board with you about the rule book
1: and with that rule book it's not just, I mean, you can't just judge a game on how well it'll get rulebook structured. It, it brings a concern to me about the amount of rules overhead for each action. Because if this token's there, then this happens. If that token's there, if this is there, though, but if that person's there, then this. And every action I take, I don't want to be checking 12 exceptions. To see whether it works or not. Now, I don't think it's as bad as that when you actually play the game, but that's what the rule book makes it feel like. So, this is one that I definitely, definitely need to play to get a firm feeling on because I haven't got it from that.
0: Yeah, I think there is absolutely lots to bring together on this i think if it works it'll be excellent my only slight concern is i've always got that slight worry about the one versus many so will it be fun for the alien player so i'd have to again i'd have to see how it plays what they're doing and how how they're getting involved in the game to see if that's actually going to be a fun process for that lone player.
1: You always have that about one. I do, me, I do. Yeah. I tend to like them, and you tend to be like. Oh.
0: It's based on taste, but I do. I do genuinely worry about the player that's on their own, and everybody else seems to be having that fun, cooperative experience, and talking and planning, and then that one person sort of sitting on their own. I suppose it takes a unique person who's quite happy to sit there and laugh at them as they fall into traps, etc.
1: You're not evil genius enough, are you? I'm not evil genius enough, that's that's it, that's it. For me,
0: Ronan, this one is a tentative treasure. I think it has the framework of a really interesting game. A little bit worried about that rule book, a little bit worried about uh, overheads, but I'm going to give it just that little nod in the direction of treasure. I don't know what way you're going to go on this.
1: Hall or Nothing and Mark Chaplin makes me want to go treasure. Because I believe in both the company and the designer. And that should be more important than the fact that I don't like the structure of the rule book. But I don't like the structure of the rule book. And it does look like it might be a bit fiddly. So I have gone for, with a heavy heart, trap. But I really want to be proven wrong. This is probably my number one game to try out at the Expo. So that I can give a proper report back. We're going to be doing one of our battle report videos, I think, Sean, on some of the games we've played. So hopefully that we'll be able to cover it very quickly this weekend. And I've got a game in and let people know what we actually think from a play of it. But trap for now for life form
0: very good very good okay so my next game is one that we don't have a lot of information about it's coming from Borden Dice and it's Escape Tales The Awakening designed by Jakob Kaban Matt dembach and Bartosz Idzikowski so it's an escape room idea using cards and fundamentally telling a story. Now the story revolves around Sam who is going to represent the players and his daughter is in a coma for no apparent reason and he's trying to find ways to help his daughter and he learns of a ritual called the Awakening and that's going to transfer you into another dimension and you're going to be look for your daughter to try and find her and wake her. The game is promising An open exploration where you can visit anywhere and in any order, and this is going to have a massive impact on the story because there are going to be multiple endings to the story. Obviously, this is also going to provide replayability, and they're hanging their hat on this storyline. They're they're, they're saying it's an engaging storyline; it's going to draw you in. That's what grabbed my eye, Ronan. What do you think of Escape Tales: The Awakening?
1: What a premise! (laughs) We're talking about getting you engaged, and in terms of, I want this character to do well. Well, the life of your child is in the balance, and it's got enough mystery there. And this guy comes along and says, "It happened to my son." Prepare yourself, though. This is going to be hard. Open that if you want to. I can almost imagine myself in that situation where you're like, "What this book?" And I go to another dimension. What are you talking about, you nutter? A week down the line. Well, we've tried everything else you know what if this is the answer because you'd do anything to save your child so it, it kind of brings the the supernatural into a real situation where you think 100 percent. yeah there's a lot of films where you go don't open the book don't don't brain press play on that video whatever it is don't do it but in this one you're like no i'd probably do it
0: yeah, yeah i've literally written down relate to the story obviously we have children you'd just do anything Like, and it it would come to that if if nothing else was working. You know what? Whatever. Send me to a witch doctor. Send me anywhere. You do it. So, yeah, absolutely relate to that story. I think it's an ambitious project, Ronan.
1: It is ambitious. And when it comes to things like that, I kind of look at the publisher and I think Board and Dice have put out smaller games that I've very much enjoyed, like Pocket Mars and Super Hot. This is another one that's all about cards. So you, I know it's going to look good. I know that it's going to be produced well. I know that they've got a lot of passion for their games. They've obviously been doing their escape game or sort of story game over on Kickstarter that comes out every month. I love this publisher, Sean. I just love their enthusiasm. I love what they try and do. I think they're a breath of fresh air. They're really open in their communications. They're incredibly enthusiastic, both in person and online. So that also gives me a positive feeling towards a game like this where I say, oh, I have got much information i love the premise but i also love the publisher one thing and he did mention it there you said that they say there's multiple endings it will give it replayability i'm slightly concerned about the replayability
0: what they're saying is that because you can go anywhere and do visit the rooms or the cards or the areas in any order that that is just going to change your gameplay and what you find and how you find it and when you find it now it would have to be an incredibly clever system for that to come off. But, yeah, I've you've been looking at my notes, Roder, right? and I've literally written down Strong Publisher.
1: I have not been looking at your notes, how dare you. That's why I got it in early. <laughs> yeah.
0: And just jumping on to the art, I think for what we've seen of the art, I think it looks beautiful. That box cover looks absolutely amazing to me.
1: Yeah. And it's reminiscent of their in-between art, which definitely invoked an atmosphere. Not much to go on, Sean, so I'm going to wrap it up here. And I'm going to say, on a whim and a hope and a prayer and a wave of enthusiasm, sure, Escape Tales the Awakening, I'm going to give it a treasure.
0: Yeah, I think this is probably the game I'm most looking forward to seeing at the Expo, so it's a definite treasure
1: for me okay we're going to move on to our fifth game of these previews this is wildlands from osprey games and designed by martin wallace so big names both there wildlands is a fantasy themed kind of apocalyptic in its own way skirmish tactical minis game with some anthropomorphism in there. With some animals. With some body parts that are melded into mech parts. pulling on some different influences here. In terms of the game itself. You're going to control a faction of five miniatures. There's four factions in the main box. It's played on a board. I don't know if it's hex or squares. We're yet to find that out. And your actions are card driven. And the cards are going to be unique for each of the factions in themselves. And each card is unique and it has multiple uses. So when you choose to play it for one of the uses on there, it's then discarded and you've lost the other actions available on the card, which seems to add a lot of options and choices. You're going to get points for defeating your enemies and also for collecting treasures which are out on the board. There are more factions and more maps to come. This is going to be an Essen 2018 release, but there are playable demos at UK Games Expo. This is one we've got an appointment booked in for, Sean, with Osprey Games. We will definitely be reporting back after the expo. How excited are you to try out Wildlands?
0: Oh, right, it's it's Martin Wallace and Osprey Games, a designer that I really like and really trust, and a publishing house that have just gone from strength to strength in the quality that they're producing. I'm 100% interested
1: in this. Do you know what I wrote down with your name next to it, with a little tickle here, is (laughs) reminiscent of Dungeon Command?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think... The clever use of cards that Martin Wallace brings to a lot of his games, mixed in with those minis and that, that skirmish battle, I think they do come together the way I think they could. I think it could be something special.
1: Yeah, multi-use cards is definitely one of my uh, my fireworks i start going off and i see them and go yeah brilliant i'm looking forward to that and it's the kind of level of minis games we're not big minis gamers it's a level of mini games that we currently enjoy whereby it's basically made easy for you you're not measuring you're not referring to tables there's not lots of different stats it's it's simplified down and you're just making decisions within the battle rather than worrying about lots of stuff on the outside of that
0: yeah, going to the this sort of union between Wallace and Osprey, they've both got some history in the minis gaming. Osprey obviously did lots of miniature gaming. They did Frostgrave and some very popular titles, and they produced books based on miniature skirmish and battle games. And Martin Wallace has been dipping his toes into that market as well. So there's nothing that I'm not looking forward to here,
1: Roland. Is that you declaring a treasure?
0: That's me, pretty much. I think the battle could be absolutely genius with those cards, so I'm, I'm going to say treasure,
1: Ronan. You used the G word there. I, did. I didn't mean gangster, right. I'm, I'm in with a treasure. Cool. Now, move on. You're going to start scaring me here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to win that.
1: You, you ain't right. You're not you right. right at all. Just because your head's like a cabbage. Mr. <laughs> exactly, he's <It's> very personal. <laughs> Japanese watermelon, I think you are find. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Japanese watermelon. Carry German. on. Mr.
0: Cabbage Head's Garden. This is coming from Ludy Creations. And it's designed by Todd Sanders. I think if we get this out, when we hope to get it out, you, you might just be able to jump on the Kickstarter that finishes on the 31st of May. So if, if you do like the look of this, then please go along to that. So what do you do in Mr. Cabbagehead's Garden? Well, you draw vegetable cards. And you're going to choose these vegetable cards by the small world style where you have to lay a token to get to the further ones and obviously the nearer ones are free. You're going to place these in a 3x6 grid and you're going to try and get the same veg together to score or you're going to match the point scoring set outs in the rule book and there's certain various layouts that show you pair here, pair here, one there, two there, whatever you, and they're going to score you points. Also there are characters that are going to try and steal your veg. Each round the likelihood of one of these guys stealing is going to grow and each of them has a different power or desire and way that they're going to come and steal your stuff. Mr. Watermelon Head,
1: how do you feel about Mr. Cabbage Head? I wasn't happy when I first saw this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. That, what? Why is there a man with the cabbage head, Sean? And why are we gardening as him?
0: But it's he, uh, actual Victorian-style artwork, isn't it?
1: And... Once I started digging in, I actually found the theme really engaging because, you know, when things happen to him, it's sort of the quotes, the flavor text are like, oh, how bothersome, or oh, terribly tiresome, or, oh, dear neighbor, please stop doing that. And it sort of sets the right tone of, sort of mild, polite frustration I get, yeah. or you get when you're playing a solo game, you're like, oh, oh well, that was a bit... Yeah, how tiresome. All right, I don't get that card. Fine. I'm very we were. fretful
0: after that. Exactly.
1: I might be pulling out my best at Downton Abbey when playing this
0: one. Yeah, I wrote down charming. I think there's a charm to it.
1: I put oddly engaging I prefer my uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't oh, the word odd oh,
0: oddly stuff. charming there you go.
1: <laughs> uh, and it's not just tokens you're putting down I can't believe you lack a theme it's bees Sorry. I yeah, don't know yeah. the fact that it's bees just quite pleased me as well but you, you know I love a drafting mechanism as well just a drafting game this seems very very simple in terms of the drafting itself yes you've got to manage your bee currency uh, you can't always just grab the card that you want but th- that gives you that sort of that mildly bothersome feeling to it I suppose that you need in the drafting game. Yeah, I think.
0: I think the if there is any depth to this, is going to come in in grabbing the cards. If you're playing as a two player, it was made originally as a solo game, as a print and play. I think it came out in 2016. But uh, Ludicreation's obviously added the, the second player and they've added some Kickstarter goodies into it as well. But I think if you are playing as the two player, the, the depth is going to come in trying to stop people getting their pairs, watching the characters that are going to come and steal stuff and preparing for them and seeing which ones are more likely to come early. They, I think that's where the, the depth is.
1: What I say is, you mentioned there's a, pr- a print and play. It's now going to be held to higher standards. It was well received as print and play, but that's because it's a free game. So. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's got a good ratings. People enjoyed it. They say, yeah, it's a good. They've added some bits to it. They've obviously made it look very nice in its own way. However, the standards are going to be a little bit higher now. It's going to be judged, you know, in in the big fish's pool rather than the small fish's pool.
0: I don't think there's a lot more to say about this one, man Where are you? Where are you standing on in the vegetable patch?
1: I'm scarned. <laughs> okay. I'm both scared and charmed, and there's no word for that. So I am scarmed by Mr. Cabberhead's garden. It's a treasure.
0: I have backed the Kickstarter. So it's a treasure. Have you? I have. I did it today while I was researching.
1: I thought about it but yeah okay i still got time i'll still consider it okay thank you very much everyone coming up next is your chance to win a copy of necromunda the full base box from games workshop and then following that we're going to come back with six more ill-informed predictions on uk and without
0: games Expo without ronan kissing the box I, I want to make that absolutely clear i've barred him from kissing the box.
1: there's no guarantees made here So, everyone, your chance to win the full Necromunda base box. This is this minis game, which is Scarmature, which is based around the uh, big, huge hive worlds in Games Workshop's, warhammer 40k setting in which you run in gangs you can customize your models you customize your models it customizes their stats it's about i think roughly 90 100 pounds on the market you can get a free copy the only thing that's been done to it is the shrink's been taken off other than that it's completely all in the sprues untouched ready for you to enjoy and the only thing you have to do is head to our warhammer shade spire videos either on youtube or board game geek you can do either or both every time you do this it is an entry into to this competition which is going to draw from the hat and whoever gets it wins it and you have to say i am pit crew in your comment preferably give it a thumb or a like or anything like that share it all over whatever you do it's all good for us but go to our pit stop for warhammer Shades spire type in i am pit crew in a comment and you will be entered in the competition to win warhammer games workshops necromunda base box thank you very much and the best of luck to you
0: Oh, thank you for the details on that, Ronan. And uh, yeah, best of luck to everybody on the competition. And now we're going to start off with our next six games, and Ronan's going to lead us in.
1: Thank you for Lincoln me in,
0: Sean.
1: <laughs> 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 You're very able. <laughs> He's here all week, ladies and gentlemen. I've tried to kick Unfortunately, him out. okay. The first game of the second half is Lincoln from PSC it's Plastic Soldier Company is the publisher quarter general 1914 the great war hold the line also from worthington games band of brothers hearts and minds and victoria cross designed again by martin wallace a little bit of a wallace fest for us this one lincoln is a two-player card-driven war game based around the american civil war in which you're going to play out the overall strategy of the entire war in around two hours each player has got their own deck of cards which is going to drive what they're doing and you're going to play through three cycles of a Deck. As you play through the game, the Northern Army is going to become more powerful as you go on and get better cards coming into its deck, and the Southern Army is going to get worse cards in its deck as its power degrades. However, it is down to the Northern Army to achieve victory by the end of these three cycles. If it's been unable to do so, then the South is the de facto winner of the game. Each card that you have is available for actions to you. However, in order to generate new units, you must discard the card from the game, and that's going to accelerate what you are doing. So, down to the North, if you have to generate more and more troops you're going to accelerate how quickly it is you have to achieve your goals the board is very very simple and you're vying for strategically crucial spots cities and towns on the board it's finished its kickstarter Friday the 25th of May, just before UK Games Expo and Origins. Seems like slightly curious timing, given that we're going to be able to play a copy of this at UKGE. I'd have extended it by another 10 days, but there you go. What can I say? And it has made over £50,000 from a £10,000 goal. So there is interest in this, Sean. But its release has not been without some controversy there were advanced copies sent out to a lot of reviewers and immediately it came up that there were problems with the rules there were broken strategies broken areas it was impossible for certain things to be achieved and there has had to be some extensive no they're still playing the game in the same way but i would say crucial rules fixes have already been put out before this game is even launched
0: Yeah, I think Martin Wallace has a a slew of games all around the place at the moment. Various publishers since the uh, demise of Tree Frog Games. And I I just wonder if he's almost got that Knizia problem going on where people are just randomly grab half-finished designs and just trying to crowbar them into into finished products. So, yeah, I I was almost clicking the finger to back this one after an initial or shall I but then those problems started arising Roman.
1: yeah look this isn't speculation anymore though I got told off for speculating previously Tree Frog was in trouble had debts and he's put out a lot of designs since then and reprints what have you clearly he's got some things to clear up that's cool and he's a fantastic designer I'm very excited about Wildlands and fully believe in that game there are concerns with regards to playtesting though when he presents finished games to publishers, it appears to be an issue. And what really gets me is that this is similar in certain ways to A Few Acres of Snow, Mythotopia, A Handful of Stars. They all had rules issues. They all had to get adjusted for optimal play after they have been released. And this has happened before this has even been released, just from some playtesters, not playtesters, no, reviewers playing it and immediately pulling up issues with the game. How has that not been picked up can you really believe in the thoroughness of, of the playtesting process at this stage?
0: It's a definite concern, Ron, for sure. To look at the game itself, though, uh, going, going past that, I think initially it looked very dry to me. That board looks very uh, borderline boring. But when I started digging into it, and this is what made me interested in the game itself, and was the distinct play styles for each side. I think you've got tough decisions on the cards... And I really like that the Union just has to sort of hang in there at first, but then get stronger, as better cards as they gain momentum within the Civil War itself. I, I, I like the idea of a lot of the stuff in this game, but yeah, just really worried about those playtesting and the final product.
1: I'm a tiny bit worried about that whole thing, and Martin said it in his, in his rules. Well, he changed the rules in his post, but he said that you have to hang on. And then once you get through the first cycle of the deck, you start getting better cards and you will get more powerful. Which sounds to me like the crux of the game comes very early. And that if you don't get on top or you don't survive through that first cycle, and, and that's where it all is. And if they survive the first cycle, is it then... a lo- Well, not easy, because everyone's saying it's very hard to win as the North. You know what? Is, is a lot of the pressure front-ended from that system, Sure. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. I'm not really expecting a full answer. Yeah. <laughs> really. It's just a concern of mine, I should say.
0: I'm going to go ahead, Ronan, and just say that this should have been a strong treasure given the innovation that I thought was was coming through this game. But because of those problems, I'm going to have to say it's a trap for me.
1: The other thing about this is this historical game. And I love history. And I'm all constantly reading history books. I'm reading the history of Denmark at the moment, Sean. Randomly, don't worry about that. We're going to Denmark <laughs> soon. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, hmm. Half of England basically was Denmark for a while there. But you knew that. Anyway... I'm not that into the American Civil War, so that's not going to pull me in in terms of theme. I'm not at the moment anyway. Worried about the rules things. It's got too many red flags. It has to be a trap for me, and this playtesting has got to get a little bit more robust because the more this happens, the less faith people will have in uh, Martin Wallace. And while before anyone thinks this is hypocrisy because we've just given treasure to another game, that is getting playtested by Osprey, and I believe in their playtesting program because it's been proven over years that they do that very well. So there you go. A trap for Lincoln. Sean.
0: So the next one up is another Kickstarter game and this one seems to be doing it a little bit better than Lincoln in that it is extending through the UK Games Expo and it's Villages from Sinister Fish Games and designed by a good friend of ours, Hakon Gardner, playing one to five players. The players are founders of the village and they are trying to become the most prosperous of those founders. The game plays on different phases. you're going to draft, you're going to upgrade and you're going to build. In the game you're generally going to bring different villagers onto your tableau. Some villagers are going to unlock others, you're going to earn money for unlocking the villagers and you are going to be able to stack them on top of each other depending on how many you can stack upon the base villagers. You're going to score at the end of two market phases. And yeah, I could go into a little bit more depth there, Ronan. But that's that's the general gist of the game.
1: I totally did not realise that this was hack and designing this game. Before you made me look at it, I have not been keeping up with our emails. And since the fish did email us, so sorry. Uh, he's a mate of mine from London aboard before he moved back. So uh, yeah, don't expect neutrality, I guess. he's he's Unlike Chris Marling, who's coming up later, I happily slate his games. I actually. Like <laughs>
0: What did you think of the graphical choice, Ronan?
1: I like it. I like the look of it. It it did remind me a bit of the sort of Ayunu look... Whereby it's quite stark and stylized, uh, but everything was very clear to me. And you know that I'd rather it was clear than like very, very lots of colours and loads of writing, and I can't really tell 100%, what the cards.
0: Hundred percent. I think from afar, I was a bit worried about because I could see all this of white background. But once I started actually looking at the cards, yeah, really easy to differentiate between the, the different types of villagers. And the artwork on the actual card is, is very nice, and it's, it's as you said very clear.
1: Yes, and I do like a Tableau Builder. And it ticks a few boxes in terms of a Tableau Builder. It's not very basic. 55 different types of villages. So there's plenty of variety going on. There does appear to be some interaction with that padlock system as well. Some of the villages, you need certain equipment to be available to you in order to trigger them. Now, you can always trigger them. You have to pay some money. But if someone else has built the, the padlock, like the blacksmith, for example, who can trigger lots of different artisans off them, if I have a blacksmith and Sean doesn't, when he wants to use any of his villages that require the blacksmith equipment, he has to pay me the money, and the money is points at the end of the game. So there's things like that where I can look at the combos you're building and be like, ah, oh, well, if I take this one, now all the money you were previously paying to the bank is coming to me, and you might be less willing to, to activate those ones.
0: Yeah, very clever, and I think... What makes that even more clever for me is that it's all very thematic. So if you are the peddler, you're going to need a cart to drag your wares around. So you're going to, you're going to have to go to the, the woodsmith or wherever they to get that cart or the cart builder. And the blacksmith will obviously be thematically linked to some of the things that the other villagers are doing. So that made it easier for me to grasp what was going on and how they all interlink with each other.
1: And you do like an economic chain as well. I do, I do, yes. <laughs> I feel like that might tickle you. Yeah, I, I like that every game is going to be a different sort of a puzzle, different challenge, and that you are forming your own engine while being aware of what other players are doing. And I have to say, Sean, this is flying on Kickstarter, way beyond what Sinister Fish thought it would do. They've got almost treble the amount of backers they thought they might get on, uh, as their, their high ball. It's made £86,000, and it's only a £22 game give them for the amount that's in there. I don't know. This sounds like a, an infomercial at this stage but, but I'm just impressed at the way of ticking it that they've kept that price down as well
0: yeah I was already interested in this game I think they've done a good job of publicising it it's, it's forever on board game geek adverts the banner adverts if you've not had those turned off and and it, it's popping up in our some of our press as well so it's definitely the name was in my mind I was definitely already having a sniff at it, it the options and the sort of engine building side of it really appealed to me and it seems to be appealing to a lot of other people
1: just to be clear to put it to one side i do know hacken if i thought this game was rubbish i'd have said no we can't cover it because i don't want to be mean to him (laughs) because it's a treasure because i think it's a good game probably maybe we're more likely to cover it because we know Hacken and we're happy for it for his game to get coverage but I do genuinely I'm looking forward to this and we're going to get to play it this weekend definitely with Hacken and after that if we can be brutal if we want to because we would have played it but it's a treasure going in and for all the right reasons as far as I'm concerned.
0: Delighted to be able to sort of help Hacken in whatever little way that we can do as Ronan said it would not be one of my choices if I really didn't like the game so it's a treasure for me and uh, yeah go and check it out at the expo
1: okay so our next game is quartermaster general cold war the next game in the quartermaster general what's becoming a franchise i think sean
0: yes ronan it's i didn't realize it had the legs the whole system had the legs that would lead to so many games coming out but fair play to them they are definitely churning them out
1: i'm gonna brand it the quartermaster general cardboard universe that's that's not gonna catch sorry no no, oh, but in my no. head that's what it's now branded alright <laughs> it's coming from PSC Plastic Soldier Company Games again we've just been over those Griggling Games who with along with Ian Brody who both owns Griggling Games and is a designer Quartermaster General all of those games and Destination Neptune so clearly based on the Quartermaster General system we haven't got too much more on that, but if you're aware of how that game works, each individual power has got an individual set of cards. You have a hand of them. On your turn, you play them, and they affect a global map in some way. There are going to be some pieces that you can move around. Given that this is the Cold War, as opposed to being based on an actual war, I'm guessing it's going to be military forces. You're not going to be able to move blatantly into certain areas, and it's very much driven by espionage. There are three factions rather than two. There's the Soviet bloc, the Western bloc, and the non-aligned bloc. Which, talking of catchy names that isn't one. Maybe they want to sort that out. It's okay, driven via espionage rather than out-and-out out military action, although that's possible, but whenever you do take military action, it decreases the malice that the other players get for using their weapons of mass destruction. The map itself looks a lot like the base Quartermaster General map from World War 2, obviously with slight adjustments given the boundaries and the change of politics and countries and what have you. So, Sean, Quartermaster General Cold War, I'm guessing you're a Opinions can be based a lot on what you think of Course Master General, which in general is not as positive as I think of the game.
0: No, I kind of seesaw a little bit with Quartermaster General. Sometimes I have really great games. Sometimes I have really tedious games. So it's really up and down. But this one has my mind worrying, Ronan. How are they going to compensate for like the all-out war? I think that could be very interesting. I think it could garner a lot of very interesting discussion. And it's how subtle they go about this business of the espionage side.
1: I have written down a little one-liner here. The tightrope of espionage, question mark. <laughs> that's that's more catchy. Yeah, thanks. Not the quartermaster general cardboard universe, trademark. No. Okay. You're going to want to feel some of that tension. You're going to want to feel that I don't want this unveiled or taking this is a risk. Uh, as I play this card, if they've got the right counter, I then i am going to suffer like the u2 incident other espionage issues that were if they got uncovered and the world worked out what we were really doing here did we assassinate the president of the congo Uh, no comment (laughs) if if it gets unveiled then it's a big risk for me to have done that that's what needs to balance and that didn't exist in the out and out war of the other settings so i am intrigued by that subtle change and whether indeed the subtlety has been captured
0: Absolutely. And I'd like to think that you could, playing in those partnerships, set up traps for for the opposition and lure them in and come up with some very clever ways of getting to your goals. So is the game clever enough for that? I don't know.
1: What's your gut feeling? Because there's not much out about Cold War yet. So there's not much more we can say. Treasure or trap for you?
0: I think based on uh, my own own perceived fragility of the of the quartermaster general game in general in general uh, I think it's a tentative trap but I'm really
1: interested to try this one out So I trust the system more than you do and we were talk I was talking there about the American Civil War setting not that ex- interested in that Eleanor as part of this year's one of our two topics for history this year has been studying european history and specifically the cold war and i've learned a lot more about it than i knew beforehand via that and we've been reading books about the cold war we're about to start playing twilight struggle together just you know interesting ways of of helping her study so i am currently quite interested in the cold war reading a book about citizens of st petersburg and their experiences during it anyway it's a treasure. I'll just get onto that and stop babbling about <laughs> my kids' history course. It's a treasure, Quartermaster General Cold War, even though Sean's a wrong and thinks it's a trap. Sean, the next one is the game that is the game that we've played, and we've talked about it previously on a video, but this is for our podcast.
0: Yes, well, and I, I, You know what? I'd even forgotten about this. The next game that I'm going to be doing, you've actually played, but this one I'd completely forgotten. We've both played. So this one is Exploriana from Chaos Publishing and Triple Ace Games Limited, designed by Miles Radcliffe. It's an exploration push your luck game with auctions. You're going to auction for items to start the round. And this is going to either help you break the rules or score points in some way. You're going to then place workers in each of the three areas. And the areas are exploring, I think it's Africa, the Far East and South America maybe. And these workers are going to determine when you activate the push your luck part of the exploration. So you're going to start off with two cards overturned. To push your luck, you're going to overturn more cards and put them into that row. The row only holds five cards, but each card has an icon on it. If you have three different icons, you are bust, and you must stop, and you don't get any reward. If you get three of the same icon, you are bust, you must stop, and you don't get any reward. So it's when to stop and what to take once you do stop. You do get a bonus for revealing all five. If you push along to the fifth card, you get to take an extra card. And the scoring is all based on set collection or multipliers for cards that you've taken. Exploriana Ronin, as we've said, we have played this one. We were quite positive on our video review. Are you still positive about this one?
1: I certainly am. So that's a spoiler. We probably don't have to talk about this for very long. It's a good meld of planning and luck. You do care what other people are doing, where they're going, and what they've taken because that will affect the balances within the deck. We play the aircon, and I'd have to say that I enjoyed it a lot more than first glance would have suggested. I was a bit like, okay, you know, I'll give any game a go and try it. I wasn't that excited by the premise, but having played it, I was quite excited and happy to play it again. And we did give it quite strong recommendation from our Air Combat Report video, and I still stand by that, Sean.
0: Yeah, I think that's why I wanted to include this one because they've recently cancelled their Kickstarter. Oh, how come? Because it didn't look like it was going to fund is the is the honest answer okay and i just wanted your take on why that might be i've got i've got my own observations and why it might i think the most basic one is the box cover that we played with we thought was the prototype box cover actually was the box cover for the game and it just didn't look interesting
1: oh okay so i've been out of it for the last two months out of the almost the whole everything's been going on in gaming i just so i'm cut, slowly coming back in again i didn't I wasn't aware they kept that box cover so apologies for being out of a, the loop in a few of these things no very very plain the theme isn't unique when you describe the gameplay, it doesn't come across as unique. None of it is eye-catching. And when, for example, we just mentioned you know, the look of, of Villages, it's really bright, it's really eye-catching. Mr Cabbage's Garden has a unique twist, and you think, oh, that's different, I'll have a look at that. When you're in amongst these games, you have to stand out, and it does have the look of a game from 15 years ago. They might have gone for a Lost City sort of a look on this, But that's a bit of a dated look. Now, if you're doing it to get a retro interest in there, I understand. As your first game, you need to catch people's eye. But
0: there was some absolutely amazing artwork contained within the game, Ronan. The card art was stunning. It was absolutely beautiful and then everything else around those cards was quite bland and beige and the player cards were, were awful. It was like Uncanny Valley style people on the player cards. So it, it was almost like two different artists and I they've gone with the box cover from artist B when really artist A for the card art should have been where they were heading.
1: I can only concur with you, Sean, that, yeah, it it is a bit of a mixed bag, and they're almost hiding the best off the game. Mechanically, it deserves to be a success. I'm a bit surprised, actually, that it's failed. Have they got plans to relaunch the Kickstarter? I
0: believe so. I believe so. It's going to be at the Expo. So, hopefully, they're going to generate some interest at the Expo and go go again, because I think... As we've said, Ronan, there's a really fun blend of mechanics in this game. There's push-your-luck auctions, set collection, unique powers. It's a very interactive game, and I think we had an absolute blast playing it at AirCon.
1: Yeah, and and slightly more mechanically to the game probably than first appears. Mm. Not quite as light as you expect. A proper little bit of gamer's game in there where you are thinking and paying attention. So clearly for me, Exploriana is a treasure. I didn't know about the whole Kickstarter thing. When it comes around again, it is definitely worth keeping your eye on.
0: 100%, yeah, it's a treasure for me. Very sad to see it fail the first time round, but hopefully it'll be coming back and jump on it the second time round. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Exploriana.
1: Okay, my final game for this episode is Immortality. Designed by Nicky Lloyd, it's his first design, and indeed, whether he's looking for a publisher or a self published I'm not entirely sure. But this is a game in which Zeus is putting on a race for mortals, where up to four of them have to race through a maze, and the first to exit is going to have Immortality bestowed upon them. All we know about the game is there's going to be dice-driven actions. You roll dice, and that dictates what actions are available for the round. Whether that's for just your go or it's going to be a pool to draft on we're not sure yet the maze itself is represented by a deck of cards which you have to work your way through and in that deck of cards there's two of them in the first one you're more going to be tooling up finding weapons finding equipment building yourself up you've got your own little player mat and a tableau in which to build up and you're also going to be finding keys which allow you to get access to the second deck which contains more dangerous things like minotaurs and what have you but also the exit to the maze where you're going to win so it's a race game in which you're, you're talking up to start with and then you're going to be going for it in right towards the end there is not much available out there about this sean but uk games expo as much as it is getting bigger and bigger and more bigger publishers are coming along and we're going to see more big releases it's still about uncovering some uk talent in game design and i quite liked the very few details we had about immortality
0: I love the theming and the story behind it, and it's it definitely an intriguing idea. Now, it's the artwork that that's available at the moment, I think it was the box cover. I'm not too sure about that.
1: But, oh, I uh, quite
0: like that. Did you? Yeah. Immortality was tiny, and all like the clouds around Zeus. The were, were the information about the game, and it just felt a bit. Yeah, didn't didn't sit well with me at all. Hmm. i had to look for the name of the game on the box cover
1: okay is, uh, to be honest i didn't notice that so maybe it <laughs> might not be the best marking decision i was kind of looking at it overall if you like uh and uh, at least it looked a little bit it wasn't bland no you know no, no. it was colorful and it kind of showed you what you're doing i
0: like the art i just think as a box cover the right it just didn't work
1: It's the graphic design, then, I think. there you go, yes. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to nitpick you on that one. You are going to nitpick. It's it's only up to 60 minutes long for this race. So I think that's perfect for the sort of expo setting and for a demo whereby you're getting a full flavour of the game without having to sit there forever and ever. Uh, And I think that that artwork is going to draw people in. So depending upon how this, you know, things like how you set your booth up are important, how you present yourself. I can see a little bit of buzz being generated around this, Sean. If you get into the right spirit, whereby it is dice rolling it is drawing from a deck it is sort of the capriciousness of the olympian gods thoughts
0: yeah i think it's going to be quite tight that i think it's going to be quite random but it's all about getting on board with that and then just enjoying the game taking you on a story rather than you driving it 100 yourself but yeah it looks like it's something that could definitely be enjoyed by by a like-minded group so for that reason Roman, i think i'm going to go uh, tentative treasure
1: I, I've written hopeful punt here, and give an the immortality, <laughs> a treasure, uh, and again one that we'll try and get a game off and report back. Sean, our last game of this treasure hunt.
0: Well, Ronan, you do like to, <laughs> we do like to give Mr. Marling a kicking. I think it's the first game that he's designed on his own. So quite exciting times ahead for Mr. Marling and I think it might even be his first Kickstarter game that's going to that Kickstarter process. So it's Witless Wizards. It's coming from Drawlab Entertainment and as I said, Chris Marling. The story behind it is that uh, wizards have spent many moons doing all they can to learn the secrets of the universe and become the most powerful wizard of all time. And now they're gonna finally meet and go to battle. So in the game, you're gonna get a starting weapons cards, and you're gonna mix three or five card decks together. And the card decks, I think there's ninja and medieval and sci-fi and they hold equipment basically. You going to put those three decks together to form a common deck. You're gonna have concentration cubes which allow extra actions and healing and any weapons you get must go on your player boards. During the round, you're going to equip and choose a card for yourself. And you're going to also choose a card to give to your opponent. So that could dislodge things that they already have because you can only have one type of each of the equipments. So it's very much take that thing going on there. Then you're going to attack. And attacking is very simple where you roll a die and add the attack and defense values. You can then heal if you get down to a certain level and you can concentrate to get cubes Back, a very simple game, but with, as I said, Ronan, well, a very obvious take that mechanism.
1: Yeah, um, this you're is bigging up. You played, fact- by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're bigging up the fact I played it. <laughs> <laughs> I have technically played the game at around two in the morning, three days into a lobster con, many, many, many drinks into the evening. <laughs> so So you remember it perfectly is what you're saying
0: Um,
1: uh, as you were describing it it was it was coming back to me slightly (laughs) i think it was called Um, war drobe at that stage wow i bet he's gutted that you revealed that publicly (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah it has slightly come back to me now Lots of take that in the game. Obviously, it's a pure combat game. You definitely have to roll with the blows as they come in because of the nature of it, whereby you can mess with each other's tableau. There is a good tension there, actually when you draw a card because you decide whether to keep that card or give it without knowing what the second card is. And so sometimes if it's a decent card, you think, oh, this is good, but it's not that good. Or ah, if I give it to them, it's really handy, but it's not used use to me. So if I keep it, I'm having a rubbish turn, and they might get something decent that I want off the deck. So th- that is a nice little thing. You don't want to have too much AP about that, because the game is constantly changing and evolving, and you do have to roll those blows, and you do have to play quite quickly. But it's only a 25-minute max game, so you have to take it in there. Yeah, Sean, yeah, sure, you definitely have to be in the mindset that... This isn't the most strategic game ever. It's a game which, yes, you're trying to form a combo of what you've got, but you never quite know what's going to come next.
0: I think, yeah, you need to understand what the game is, and I don't think the game hides what it is at all. I think it sets up to be a slap fest and a comedy almost slapfest. The artwork that Drawlap have added to the game is, is, is very comedic and looks quite funny. Yeah, lots of interaction, push your luck element because you can spend concentration cubes to bring more items to choose from. So I think once you know that it is going to be very take that, very I'll punch you, you punch me, then I think it could be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it, it was quite fun. And, and also be clear, that I was really playtesting the game. It wasn't anywhere near finished when I was playing it, but it was a lot of fun and we were laughing and you did kind of get a bit like, oh, what did you play that on me for? And then you'd laugh when someone drew a terrible card when they've given you a card that ended up being more useful. Definitely is a treasure. Definitely worth playing. Be aware of the nature of the game though and be play it with someone who's, or people who are not going to get too upset if you completely messing up their plans.
0: i I think playing it quite late with a few beers under your belt. I think that could be the niche for this game. It, it just sounds a lot of fun. So for me, it's going to it's gonna be a treasure. And once again, it wouldn't be on the list if it was not going to be a treasure because as much as we like to take the mickey out of Mr Marling, he is a good friend of ours.
1: I would definitely put on the list if I didn't like it. Definitely. <laughs>
0: i've had to edit this four times because ronan
1: said trap four times so (laughs) it's a chance? stop what are you doing you don't even do a good impression of me okay thanks everyone those are our 12 previews before uk games expo join us next for our outro
0: So there we have it. There's, as Ronan said, 12 games looked ahead to and called traps or treasures. Uh, Probably wrong about every
1: single one of them, but we do our best, Ronan. We're wrong about all of them, that's an awful lot of traps, because we did hang out quite a few treasures, <laughs> so we're, we're probably right about some of them, Sean, otherwise yeah. all these games are rubbish.
0: Maybe, maybe. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, thank you very much, don't forget to enter our competition, I Am Pit Crew, on the Warhammer Shadespire videos, on BGG or YouTube. Also, coming up, Sean, you are deep into out episode 100 editing, it has at last been recorded.
0: It has, yeah. I'm halfway through the editing. I'm quite enjoying it. Ronan, Ronan hates it. He hates talking nice things about himself, and, well, and me, more in particular. More you. Yeah, true.
1: <laughs> Following episode 100, which will be hot on the heels of this one, we hope, should be episode 110, in which it's going to be myself and Eleanor, and possibly one or two guest reviewers, and we're going to do one of our quick episodes on quick games in which we're going to be talking about a handful 8 10 12 however many might be shorter games because myself and sean tend not to review them as we said before so this is the format we've chosen to go through those uh, and we'll just be giving you just ideas about some shorter filler whatever you might call them sort of games and which ones we've liked the most and we'll be giving you a i believe top three at the end of there to guide you towards the best in shorter games that we've been playing
0: very good, very good. And don't forget that we will be on the Dice Tower booth on Friday, Saturday and Sunday from one o'clock until two o'clock. So please come along and say hi. It genuinely makes our day when people come up and say hello to us. So please do.
1: And we'll be wandering around the halls in Game Pit polo shirts, dark blue with Game Pit written on them. So come and say hello if you see us anywhere playing we'll playing the game. And we should be getting a video out at some point over the weekend just to sort of give you some of the first impressions. Sean, any other business?
0: I don't believe so, Ronan. I think we can safely let these people go and get about their business.
1: Lovely. Thank you very much, Sean. And thank you, Ronan. And thank you, everyone, for joining us this time round. We'll catch you again very soon.
0: Absolutely, and we are very proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there and to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. If you wish to download the episodes, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. We're on social media. If you can head along to Twitter at Gamebit Podcast, we have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. We also have a Board Game Geek Guild, possibly the best place to contact us and just catch up with us ask us questions and of course another way to contact us is our email address which is the game pit podcast at gmail.com we have our youtube channel where we have finally started doing our pit stop videos again we also have convention coverage on there so head along there for our beautiful faces and our pit stop videos and thank you very much for listening music by e aaron